This is the podcast episode I hoped I would never have to make. Battling cancer was the fight of Jo's life. She wanted so desperately to defy the odds and to live. But she didn't. I'm so saddened to share that Jo passed peacefully at home, age 45, surrounded by family on July 25th, after staving off stage 4 cancer for more than two years. That's hard to say because it's hard to believe. Joe was gritty, determined, strong and funny right to the end. She passed knowing she was so loved and supported by her family, friends and wider community, including you listeners. She told me that this love was one of the great blessings of her life. In typical Joe fashion, she could see the wonderful even as she faced the unimaginable. That is one of the many lessons she taught me. From the outset, I committed to being with Joe every step of the way for this podcast. But despite the gravity of her situation, I never quite let myself imagine being in the studio without the star of the show. But somehow, and with a lump in my throat, here I am. This very special episode of Joe v Cancer was recorded in the final days of Joe's life and at her request. It was extremely important to her that she have this last chance to share her story, both to provide an update on her health, but also for posterity, so that Travis and Morgan, the two beautiful children she raised, will know how fiercely she loved them and how deeply proud they made her. At the time of recording... We were sharing her sofa along with her constant companion, Golden Retriever, Jessie, holding hands at times for mutual strength and reassurance. It was a beautiful, intimate, human experience that I will carry with me forever. Joe's disease progressed very quickly at the end, and her medication meant that at times it was difficult for Joe to focus. That's why the conversation has been edited and why you will hear quite a lot of me helping to keep her on track. Earlier, Jo and I had discussed what she wanted to communicate, but she needed a little more prompting than she otherwise would. Let's start by hearing from Jo about news of an update from her oncologist, Dr Chris Jackson, earlier in the year. So Jo, it's been quite a few months since we sat together in the podcast studio and talked and had lots of laughs about your cancer journey so far. And I know it's important for you that we have another conversation about it and give you the opportunity to talk about how the last six months or so have been and where you're at? I felt pretty good. I've been surprisingly full of energy and I think people have seen that too. Like there's been this perception that I've like um, been surprised with the amount of energy that I've had and I've and that's given me uh, a burst of um you know, confidence as well that, oh, shit, I must be doing something right. Yeah, I felt like the medication's been, um, me- medication's been well managed and uh, just I've had the balance right. And um, and that balance has helped you really squeeze a lot out of, into life in the last six months. Yeah, well, it's, um, the oncologist said to me at the start that, with the stuff that I want to do. It was a bit of a hard conversation. He gave me this sort of talking to him and said that that he thought that if I had stuff to do now that I should do it now. So um, 
And that was back in January or so, I think, wasn't it? You had that conversation with him? Yeah, I can't really remember, but he basically said, if there's things you want to do, do it now. Um, I can imagine it being quite confronting. But was yeah. it good good advice to get? Was it welcome? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, okay. it was scary because I was like, oh, oh, what, why is he telling me now to squeeze in what I need to do? If if things were going well, um, but it also gave me a little reminder that I'm sick. <laughs> um, so he, sorry, I'm going slow. Um, it's okay. So, so he said, if I want to make me rest now, that I should do it um, with my family and friends, and that was confronting because I um, was like, what? Why should I be doing that now? But anyway, I did it, and so then, yeah, friends had like made suggestions that. Some friends of mine had said that we should go to Japan. They'd been wanting to take me to Japan for years and I'd always found excuses not to go. So I decided, right, let's go. And they, they made a plan to um, to go off to Japan and I'd always kind of put it off. And it was like a big deal for me because I haven't done much travelling and stuff. And um, so we, they said August and for some reason in my head I thought, oh, I think August might be too late, and so I... And I think you went in May in the end, is that right? Went in the April. April. We juggled it around a few times and we're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, that might be a bit sooner late. Sooner was better. So, you, had yeah. that, you had that knowledge, right? Yeah. The sooner was better. Yeah. yeah, I was like, sooner is better, and so sooner is better. And anyway, we made it. And it was awesome. You had a fantastic time. Yeah, well... They were a bit like, oh, that's that's really soon. But um, another group of friends, not a group, a family, uh, like um, best mates, had had their um, had their uh, holiday planned that had been put off by COVID, and they were going to Fiji, and we'd joked about going, and and they joked at Christmas about me coming along, and we joked about going, and I'd put them off, and. Um, they had said, oh, come along, and I was like, oh, my God, that's ridiculous, you know, money, um, just the timing Logistics. of everything, um, you know, and then mainly it was timing, but I decided that, um, you know, with a bit of help and um, uh, and I had the kids um, and stuff, but um, we could do it. We decided, oh, let's just do it. The kids had never been overseen Overseas. Sorry, we'd never yep. been overseas. I'd never taken the kids overseas. So I was like, That's oh, really special. let's do it. And um, so, yeah, let's go. Um, I was terrified. Um, so we were like, bugger it, we're going. And that was quite cool because we'd done the Japan trip and then I got to do this experience um, with, the, with kids. the kids straight after Japan because, you know, they missed me and I miss them and it was just, it was neat to be able to mm. actually go from Japan to to Fiji. Um, so, When you say you were terrified, were you terrified of the logistics or the unknowns or being unwell overseas? Both, both because I was, we were really scared about me going overseas and getting sick. Yeah, but it, it worked out really well. I did get a little bit sick in Japan. And we were freaking out about that. Um, yeah, so there was a, a moment there. Um, and then at the end of the trip, 
we were like, oh, this is, this is fine. So um, you managed to squeeze in two overseas trips. Am I right in thinking you did a roadie as well? Yes. So we did. Um, <clears throat> so after that, we it was a bit of a um, spontaneous thing. After I came back from Fiji and was whacked and um, uh, really whacked and um, they'd had me off my um, medication and my white blood cells had been um, not good and um, they took me off my chemo uh, and we did a roadie and just yeah got on top of my white blood cells and so we took that. So the next thing you want to talk about is when you got back from the road trip, you'd stopped your chemotherapy to give your white blood cells a chance to yeah. come higher, right? So the decline started from when you stopped that chemo, is that right? Yeah, yes. basically. Yeah. And so. did you did you stop the chemo because the impact on your arthritis it was you were causing other problems for you? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It just and then it was just surprising how quickly I declined. So yeah. When you stopped the chemo, then did I you had, know that was the end of chemo? Full no, stop. No, no. No. That's right. No. No. Joe didn't know that when she paused chemo, that it would turn out to be the end of chemo for her. True to form, she remained optimistic that her white blood cells would recover and treatment would resume. She and the kids took a memory-making trip to Fiji during this time. And it was there that Joe started to notice some worrying changes. During the Fiji trip, um, I noticed a, I did notice like I was sort of starting to fail a bit. Like we were doing activities that I was like, oh, I'm not feeling so good. I noticed that I'd um, it, I'd struggled with some things that I wouldn't usually struggle with, but I still did. A whole heap of um, a, a lot of things that you know would be normal physical activity for me, but you know we went on this track and um, it, it, it was quite a big tramp to a waterfall, and I needed help there, and I usually wouldn't need help, and the, there were things that I um, yeah would find like relatively easy, and I needed help from my friends, and I started needing more and more help, like which was unusual, so I knew sort of something was happening. Um, I'd been taking my meds all through that trip and then we got back and they decided to um, take me off my meds because my white blood cells were um, being attacked too much. Um, and so I had five or six weeks off my medication, which was not to do with the Fiji trip, it was just what would happen naturally because of my white blood cells. Um, and during that time, um, I started to, to deteriorate quite a bit and we uh, had a meeting with Chris that was a bit confronting and he was kind of like, um, he kept on pretty much saying that if there were things that I wanted to do with my family and friends to do it now. So... That was um, about three weeks ago from now, wasn't it? Uh, I can't really remember the date. Yeah, but, um, I, th I think it was because before the, just before not long before the school holidays, and we're in the first week back after them, so three or four weeks ago. Hmm. 
So that was quite confronting because I was like, why do we need to stop these now or why do we need to bring things forward? And I was really, I got quite anxious about that and, um, you know, because things had been going quite well for me and, yeah. And things were going well for Jo up until that point. She was in control of her life and she could still manage many of her everyday activities. Jo was told she needed to make the most of the time she had left and so that's exactly what she did. Well, Mum and I really had wanted to go to Holland. My granddad's from Holland and we'd talked about it but um, never made plans for it. But, yeah, my granddad's Dutch and we really wanted to go and I said to them, let's go, let's go, let's just do it. Um, So I got to the point where I actually had booked tickets, well, not booked tickets, but I contacted a travel agent about going to Holland and I'd contacted a travel agent about going and... I got to the stage where, right, we're booking tickets, we're going. And, um, yeah, and that um, at one of the appointments, Chris Jackson has said uh, that I wouldn't be able to fly because the air pressure in the plane would bung, like explode my belt, basically. And he's like, you know, well, he basically said, that it, it wasn't an option. And so I got on this <laughs> mad panic. I impulsively booked a, um, a motorhome and I said, right, we're going on a road trip. We're going on a road trip and we're going to go up and explore the South Island and we're going to do this and that and um, do a trip together. And then... Um, that was with mum and Brett and the kids, yeah? Yeah, the family. Yeah. I just was like, right, I need to do this roadie with my parents and kids. And, um, and it wasn't because death was calling me, but I just really had this urge to spend some quality time with my family. And, um, yeah, so we had this plan of going here and there and everywhere. And, um, yeah, we ended up scaling it right back because I started declining quite quickly. And... Um, I just was amazed that how quickly things deteriorated because we had plans to do activities and stuff and they were like, oh, we have to scratch that. Um, but I still managed to do things. I said to Brett the other night, we did this Nevis, um, we did a... Um, well, a week ago you did the zip line in Christchurch. Yeah, we did. Unsurprisingly... Jo chose to spend whatever time she had left with the people she loved and cared about, consciously making lasting memories along the way. There's a lot to talk about, but I suppose the point you're trying to make is you've fitted a lot in. And so, so yeah, I mean, we stuck to the plan. We stuck, we stuck mainly to the plan and we followed a bit of a trail. So the way we travelled was around a bit of a route. So we were just logistically we were going to Twizel, Tekapo, um, Christchurch and then back home and um, the first night was wonderful. We sat under the stars because we stayed out of uh, out of, um, out of Twizel. Twizel. I didn't want to stay in Twizel. I wanted to stay somewhere peaceful and under the, yeah, under the stars and just um, soak it up. Yeah, and mum and I had this conversation and I said, you know, we could be in Amsterdam right now and like this is this is more meaning has more meaning to me than that trip that you that, couldn't take. Yeah. 
and she was like the same, said the same thing. Like the importance of just having that time together was... Um, it turned out it didn't matter that it wasn't no, that place, it was no. just the people. Yeah, it was just us. And, That's for sure. Yeah, it was just that time and then we went off to the next day. Like it wasn't like a big, I mean it was a beautiful accommodation but we just... You were right with the drink or do you want me to yeah, hold it? No, it's okay. Yeah. Um, and then we went to... Um, Tukapo and we stayed in fancy accommodation because I was like, who cares? Just let's book, <laughs> let's book somewhere fancy and just you know this is our Amsterdam to Amsterdam and you know whatever. So we went there and we stayed in this really luxurious place and the kids were like, oh my god, this is insane. And Mum was like, oh my god, and um, yeah, it was like really mental and and so we went there and um, just yeah. Yeah, it was it was really cool. And then we went to um oh, we went to the hot pools and that was amazing. And went to the hot pools and just like oh blobbed and um blobbed out and again we had a, a wonderful time and just had a, a quiet but it was just about us and at that point I started wobbling and I was like, Oh, this is this is becoming strug- a struggle. You mean physically? Yeah. You mean wobbling physically, right? Yeah, I, like need, I started mobility. Mobility, and I needed help, a help into the pools, and I was like, yeah, needed, I was like, oh, getting shaky in my feet, and mm. I was noticing that I was failing. Despite her failing health, Jo could find beauty and joy in the everyday. She wanted all of us to share those feelings, and there is one video she posted that comes to my mind often because it truly demonstrates just how unbreakable her spirit was. I remember seeing that video, and I think we've talked about this before, of um, the morning that you posted that video in Twizel when you talked about that night you'd spent with your mum and Brett about you know being under the stars instead of being at Amsterdam, and that it was a beautiful, crisp, you know, beautiful winter's morning, and I could just see that in that moment you were still fully soaking up the beauty of life, you know, still experiencing wonderful things, you know. Good morning. Uh, We're about to pack to leave Twizel and we've woken up to this beautiful frosty morning with clear skies and a stunning sunrise and I just wanted to capture it because look at the magic of it. We've had such a cool time here. We don't want to leave. It's been really special and um, yeah, you wouldn't believe I've been up every on the hour <laughs> doing things you don't want to know about. But anyway, it's uh, it's so nice here. You don't even uh, think about the night before. You just wake up and uh, it's like, what's next, team? Let's get on the road. Next adventure. Anyway, see you later. Joe had an amazing attitude, but bad news is bad news and hearing it wasn't easy even for her. So when you had a difficult conversation with your oncologist, Chris, what was the update he gave you about your health? He said that treatment wasn't working anymore and that I had to make the most of the time left that I had with family and friends. And you'd, you'd had a scan, is that right? Uh, I had a PET scan that showed that the um, cancer had gone from my 
liver and bowel to basically went everywhere. Um, and that, uh, that I had to focus on um, the time I had left with my close, like with my family and friends. So that was very, very confronting and frightening. And I'm like, well, what are we going to do now? And yeah, and he said that, yeah, spend time with your family and friends and um, get going, don't waste time, basically. And he said if I wanted, asked if I wanted timelines, and I said, no, I don't want timelines. I Each day is still a new day. My mindset isn't changing. And he said that they would be carrying on, you know, carrying on to find things and do things for me and, um, you know, it wasn't going to change and that they'd still be fighting in my corner and they were like, yeah, there's like, there was like one option. There's some pill that, um, it's never been trialled in New Zealand, but there was like this one pill that, that could be an option. So um, we're fighting to get that, but he said the chances of getting that were very, very slim, but he said, that they would be doing everything in their power to get me that pill. <laughs> so they're still fighting for me. I'm still fighting for me. That hasn't changed, you know. Everyone is fighting for me. Um, so Everyone is rooting for you, Joe. Everyone is still rooting for me. And, yeah, I'm going to fight this to the very fucking end. Just a week before we recorded this episode, Joe was out for drinks with myself and other colleagues in Christchurch. She was dressed up wearing heels, and had a drink or two. She was her usual fun self. When we saw her a few days later, she was shocked and distressed by just how fast the cancer progressed. We were doing a zip line in Christchurch and... A week ago. A week ago. And, I mean, that, that was a struggle. That was a massive struggle. But, you know, now we're like... And the night before that, we were having drinks with friends together. Oh, no. yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, I had a couple of, I had a wine um, at the press meeting up with some old colleagues that was, yeah, some old workmates and um, just, yeah, having. When we came to see you a couple of days ago, you said you were shocked by how fast things had progressed in the few days since we'd seen you, right? Yeah, like at the press, I mean, I needed help, help down the stairs, yeah. but. But you, I mean, were, I needed, you were wearing heels, Joe. You were wearing heels, you know. You're right. I, but I still I struggled, like. Yeah. But there's been a big change to your mobility in a week. Oh, in days. In days there's been a change. Like, I, I needed a wheelchair to get to the hospital today for some a blood, blood test. test. Like, I can't, I'm shuffling around like an, old, an, an elderly person. Like, I, I, I can't. Move properly. We're having to shift furniture around to so I don't fall on my face. But, um, and and making sure you're getting you're saying the things you want to say and having the conversations you want to have has been really important to you. Would would that be um, a piece of advice you would share with somebody as to you know make sure you're doing and saying the things you want to say? Yeah, that's what it's become now. It's like breaking down those breaking down those walls and just being like, you know, I love you so much and just real emotion. Yeah, they're hard conversations to have, but important things to say, right? You know? Yeah, like, I mean, I've been saying them all along, but it's just, um, yeah, just making sure that people are hearing 
hearing those words and just cementing, yeah, cementing that and just being like, you know, putting into place. Because I've spent so long being, um, you know, trying to be strong and being, um, you know, this isn't going to get me, this yeah. isn't going to get me, but now it's kind of like a... <laughs> Now it's, it's um, it looks like it is is going to get me, I think. But um, it's so now it's the focus is on just yeah, just being like articulating those feelings that I've kind of been burying a bit, and just being like, you know, I love you. I've always loved you. You've been such a role model for me, and just making sure like my parents know that. They've been amazing parents and making sure my kids know how proud of them I am and just, um, oh, just you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but yeah, still. So, you're still fighting, Joe, and um, it's getting yeah. harder. You know, have you had thoughts about what the journey looks like from here? How important is it, for example, to stay at home? Very important. I don't want. Yeah, I, I really don't want to go to hospital, which, but I'm accepting that there's going to be times I've got to get um, blood drained from my fluid from my stomach because it's like uncomfortable. And yeah, I am going to have to go to hospital. I've accepted that, but um, but you'd rather stay home as much as possible, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, one thing we've observed, I suppose, is it's so busy. Your house is, there's so many people coming and going in terms of um, people just dropping off food or we were wanting to kind of just show support in some way. Yeah. We've put up signs just to say that it's come to a time where... Mm. Expected visitors only, basically. Yeah. Your time yeah. and energy is precious, right? Yeah, yeah. People have been understanding and said, you know, no need to reply. But if we can pop down and see you, that'd be great. If not, no pressure. Joe very much wanted to make this podcast to spread awareness of what it's like to live with advanced cancer. She was raw, real and unfiltered throughout. Recording this last episode was really important to her. In her final days, she wanted to leave you her audience with these thoughts. I want people to be like, think about not holding back on um, just that that kindness and just being like not holding back on on words, you know, and just showing that kindness and um, having the conversations that matter. Yeah, and just being, um, just being, just. I said something yesterday that we said that I thought was really good, just like being kind and being, like getting up each day and, um, sorry if it sounds... Don't need to apologise. It's one of the kids' things that they said. Yesterday you said something about um, telling your kids to get up every day and think of something... Good, that would make you feel good about the day. Yeah. And Is just, that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, like finding some joy in each day and just yeah. not focusing on the negative. Just, yeah, just, yeah, squeeze everything out of life. In life, Joe always had a lot to say 
and she was very generous in sharing her story with anyone, everyone who would listen. Her biggest hope was to prevent anyone else from finding themselves in her unenviable position, but she was passionate about trying to drive change. And incredibly, it's possible she may still do exactly that. In a recent edition of the New Zealand Medical Journal, experts cited Joe and comedian Di Henwood as examples of why the screening age for bowel cancer should be lowered. The edition was published just days after her death. I know this would make her so happy, and I feel so incredibly proud of my brave friend and the impact she continues to have. In Joe's case, cancer may have won the battle, but please let's not let it win the war. Health matters, your health matters. Do what you can for yourself and your whanau. Make good choices, advocate and listen to what your body is telling you. Life is so precious and there are no guarantees. Travis and Morgan, if one day you listen to this, this whole podcast was for you. Your mother loved you with all her being and she very much wanted these episodes to be a record of how hard she fought to stay with you. You were always, always at the forefront of her mind. Thank you for listening. Goodbye from me, Colleen O'Hanlon, and goodbye to Joe McKenzie McLean. Mother, fiance, daughter, journalist, advocate, and friend to so many. <laughs> <laughs>